It is Saturday, the 9th of May, 2020. My name is Jeremy Medlin, and welcome to episode 84 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice. And if you're looking for financial advice, I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. Just also, uh, I might be a bit more critical about some companies in this episode, so just a reminder that it is all based off my opinions only and doesn't really mean that much. So for this episode, it'll, it'll be in two parts. The first, I will talk about retail stocks in New Zealand and their recent updates, specifically that is Hallenstein's, The Warehouse, Kathmandu and Smith City. Then I'll finish off with the main event, which is Pushpay. So let's start with Hallenstein's. Um, they released their interim report during the week. Sales are impressive, $160 million. Um, an increase of 5.7% over the same period last year. They had strong cash flows as well, which they're going to need. <laughs> this was despite an increase in inventory receivables and payables being flat. So it's really impressive that cash flows were strong, even when you consider those things. Cash flow from operation was $27 million and free cash flow after CapEx was around $20 million. So while these numbers were awesome, they were dwarfed in importance by Note 9 in their financial statements, which is titled Events Subsequent to Balance Date. We all know what this is, um, but I'll read it to you anyway. So on March 26, 2020, the group announced that due to COVID-19 alert system in New Zealand moving from level 4 from midnight on the 26th of March 2020, all stores and web-based store in New Zealand are now closed. Also due to the impact of COVID-19 in Australia and the adverse impact on sales, stores in Australia closed at 5pm on the 26th of March 2020. The web store in Australia will continue to trade along as long as permitted. The group has activated its pandemic management program, I'm quite impressed to have a pandemic management program, to ensure the safety of our employees and to make the changes required to reshape the business during this evolving during that evolving situation. The group has introduced a number of initi- initiatives including reducing operating and labour costs, managing inventory levels and putting capital projects on hold. The group has applied for the New Zealand government wage subsidy in order to support employees' wages during this uncertain time. The group will continue to follow advice and monitor the situation closely to ensure an agile approach to reduce any adverse impact on trading and to protect our team and customers. So they've also cancelled their dividend, which makes sense. Um, they're doing what everyone is doing, really reducing their costs, cancelling dividends, managing inventory, and putting capital projects on hold, which is what you should, which is what you need to be doing, because you need to be thinking about the sustainability and solvency of your business, especially in retail at the moment. Just thinking out loud, I think it's an extra burden on fashion retailers such as um, Helen Stein's. Um, especially ones that sell stock based on seasons. Um, you could end up in a situation where you're lumped with a bunch of stock for one season that you haven't been able to sell because of the lockdown. For example, Warren Buffett talking about seized candies in the week in the weekend said they're not going to get their Easter sales back. You know, it's just a just a thing. And I think I imagine that will be the case um, for Hallenstein's. I would say as a consumer. Um, <laughs> just looking at Helen Stein's and other retailers, I'll, I'll keep your eye out for some sweet deals. I imagine there'll be a lot of inventory that they just have to dump because of the seasons and they just want to get rid of. So keep an eye out for that when they do reopen. Um, let's move to the warehouse. 
Um, third quarter sales decreased 17.9% for the group. It was right across their brands with the largest affected being the warehouse, followed by Torpedo 7 with the least affected being Noel Lehman, which was down 10%. Sales were booming prior to level four and up 18.8%, which is just people buying as much stuff as they could before things closed down. And you'll you remember that time, everyone just got a bit frantic there, which is understandable. Um, online sales increased due to the lockdown and grew 75% and represented 16, just under 16% of total sales. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this going forward. Um, if retail sales bounce back, then online sales could theoretically grow but decrease as a percentage of sales. So even if they maintain their online sales, it's sort of like they've done, I mean, online sales are always going to grow for the warehouse, but it's sort of like they've done a lot of like two or three years of growth in a very short period of time, and it'd be, it, I wouldn't even be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if online sales decreased in the next reporting period, or would it, when it, or later in the year, or whenever it is. Um, but they were still considerably higher than what the company was targeting at, at this stage. Um, as you'll know, all, all their stores remain closed under level three. Um, since level three has come through, though, the full range of their products is now available, and it's received a significant increase in online demand because you can now buy what you want. Um, they've been working with landlords regarding fair occupancy costs. I imagine they bring a lot of ne- negotiating power and swagger to the table. Like if I go to my landlord at the pizza shop, what about my rent? They just go, well, you need to pay it. And I imagine if the warehouse goes, we're not paying that, what are what are your options? You know, as a landlord, you, you can think, oh, we'll deal with your lawyers, but no thanks, they've got more money than me. We can kick them out, you know, good luck finding a new tenant, especially at the moment. Now, that's just a, a simplified imagination of how it goes, but, you know, I, I could be off the mark. Um, they're still paying their employees earning 60k or less full salary, and let's face it, if you're a warehouse full-time employee earning 60k or less, you're cheering every extension of the lockdown right now. It's probably been, like, the best holiday ever. You probably cannot understand what all the fuss is about. Why is everyone getting stressed out about this? Because you're living the dream. It's full pay and no work if you're earning less than 60k at the warehouse at the moment. Um, it, <laughs> obviously, if you think a bit more long-term about things, it might change your view, but... You know the warehouse employs something like eleven thousand people, so it's 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 it'd be quite a serious situation if suddenly they stop paying all those people. So so good on them, um, and good on the government for the wage subsidy there as well. So that's about it on the warehouse. Um, they're just hanging on for when they can open their stores again. You know they'll continue doing online sales, but they need the stores to be open, and hopefully for the sake of shareholders and and the country, they're able to do that soon. Um, let's move on to Kathmandu. Um, Kathmandu is trying to put on a brave faced after perhaps the most shareholder value destructive period in their existence. Um, the company has come out and said, surge in online sales and stage reopening of stores. The company basically took on a bunch of risk at the wrong time. I, th- I spoke about this the other week by buying Ripcool and were really caught with their pants down by COVID-19. They were forced to heavily dilute their shareholders at terrible prices. Uh, you obviously have some sympathy for them because it's not a scenario they would have predicted, but they weren't really prepared for much, really, if you look at their balance sheet going into it. And when you hear Warren Buffett talking over the weekend about preparing Berkshire Hathaway for any economic event, then you think that maybe Kathmandu was walking a, a, a bit close to the cliff edge because, you know, you, you think... Any situ- you think of the serious economic situations over the last 20 years. You know, you've got now as one, you've got the global financial crisis as another, and you've got maybe September 11 as, as 2001 as another 
big one. And you'd have to think that Kathmandu might be in trouble in any three of those situations. So, you know, and that, that can happen any time, as we know. So you'd have to say they're walking a bit close to the edge. Anyway, online sales were two and a half to three times higher than last year in April. No surprises there. Um, obviously, they didn't mention that their retail sales are significantly less than April last year. So I'm finding a few issues in the announcement here. Nothing bad, but I just don't like the way they've worded some things. For example, they've gone... Plans for reopening stores are well advanced and the group looks forward to welcoming customers back into stores only when it's safe to do so, which I do not believe is true. I mean, the first part obviously is they'll be planning to open up their stores, but not when it's safe to do so. I mean, it's, it's when you're allowed is a difference. Um, they traded right up to level four, and which in the days leading up to level four was probably when it's most unsafe. I mean, more unsafe than it is now, for example, when you've got people coming back into the, yeah, people coming back into the country, then potentially carrying the virus that actually been spread about then, whereas it's not really happening now. I mean, how it's actually going to happen is Catman do open the stores the second they're allowed to. No, no earlier, no later. They're going to open them as soon as they're allowed to, which is the same with any retailer, which is, you know, same with my pizza shop, same with any retailer. They're going to open them as soon as they're allowed to because if they don't, it's detrimental. Um, anyways, that they are opening, reopening in Australia um, and they will do as soon as level two hits in New Zealand. Next stock is Smith City. You, do you remember them? <laughs> they were a pretty big deal when I was growing up in Dunedin. They were one of the biggest retailers. You know, Dunedin's got a lot more retailers now than it did back then, but I can still tell you exactly where they were located. It was always sort of a triumphant statement from the parents when they were heading off to Smith City. Now that I live in Auckland, I couldn't actually tell you where a store, store is, um, but I could tell you exactly where three Harvey Normans are just off the top of my head, and that might give you a bit of anecdotal evidence as to the fortunes of Smith City and the company. So... I bet you also didn't know that they're a publicly traded company. I'm not sure if I've ever spoken about them on the podcast. They do trade as SCY on the NZX. As you can imagine, like with any retailer, the COVID-19 pandemic and the closure of their store network isn't the ideal operating environment. And they've announced a restructuring process. So they're starting with they're starting a consultation with employees. Unlike the warehouse, I imagine employees earning less than 60k at Smith City are feeling a bit more glum right now. Restructuring is basically stock market code for people losing their jobs, if you didn't realise. They're also going to negotiate with landlords. Again, you'd imagine this will take a different tune to the warehouse. They might be negotiating to see what leases they can smoothly get out of and close down stores. So it's, it's different to the warehouse where they're negotiating with landlords and they're still expecting the stores to be open. So the company is expecting subdued trading conditions once level two kicks in. Kathmandu said the same thing, but it's it's good to see these guys coming out and saying it because trading conditions for everyone, maybe after an initial bump, you know, sort of like how McDonald's and takeaways had that huge bump when things first opened. There's going to be a big, that pent-up demand is going to be is going to kick in for a couple of weeks, but you'd have to imagine that trading conditions going forward will be subdued. I'll read directly from the, from the market update. From the analysis, the company has undertaken which is, I guess, basically looking at the bank account. A restructuring is clearly necessary in order to secure investment and have a sustainable post-pandemic retail business. The board has therefore proactively commenced this restructuring process as its investor discussions continue. Smith City Chair Alistair Kerr said, while it is likely that the restructure will result in the closure of some stores and job losses, the final outcome is dependent on how the consultation and negotiation process unfolds. So unfortunately, the company is going to be much smaller shortly. Um, that would be my guess. So watch the space, wait for announcement in a couple of weeks. They're going to have to downsize by the sounds of things. 
Now for the main event of the podcast today. If I was a computer whiz, had all the time in the world and had the rights to do it, or if I had a producer, which I don't, I would dub in Michael Buffer the boxing ringside announcement here and for the main event. Um, that's Pushpay. They trade on the NZX and, and the ASX under the ticker code PPH. They're a good friend of the podcast as well. Um, you'll remember that we had the founder and then CEO, Chris Heaslip, on the podcast, I think way back in December 2018, which on reflection was one of his last acts as CEO. Uh, then in episode 70 in December 2019, we had the current CEO, Bruce Gordon. Um, they released their financial results for the year ended March 31st. Now going into this, I'm looking for a few things. Total customers, average revenue per customer, and I really want to know how the big acquisition of Church Community Builder went for them. I'll also will be looking at their guidance if they provide it, and as as the company, they've always made a big point of, of providing guidance. So it, it started. It certainly started really well with Bruce being quoted as saying, Pushpay has delivered solid revenue growth, expanding operating margins, EBITDA F growth, and operating cash flow improvements over the period. They mentioned the dedication of their teams in New Zealand and Australia. It must be a pain having big teams in two locations. I know you can do a lot remotely these days, as we're seeing, but it still must have its annoyances. You know, you just can't walk down the hall and ask someone a question, as an example. Um, but you never know, it probably has its upsides as well. So revenue increased 32% to just under 130 million US, which is real impressive when you consider where the company was five years ago. There is a nice chart on the second page of the annual report that shows this. I mean, if you ask me to create a company that is generating 130 million US dollars in revenue, so what, 200 million New Zealand in five years, uh, I just wouldn't be able to do it. You know, <laughs> trust me, I would if I could. Um, on a Comparable basis, revenue increased 28%, with the remaining 4%, I guess, being attributable to Community Church Builder. So just doing quick math, that's around $5 million. I, I might be way off the mark here, but that would suggest around $1 million per month or $12 million annualised. So what you're going to want to hear about is synergies and future growth for that acquisition, because if they do not find it, then they've probably overpaid. So gross margins keep expanding, which is good. Um, they do a Big couple of paragraphs on operating leverage in the update. I'll, I'll let you read them, but it's obviously an important part of the investment case. The company virtually has no marginal cost, and you would expect revenue to grow faster than the fixed cost, and operating leverage is a beautiful thing. So EBITDA F, that's earnings before all the important costs. So I'm, I'm not going to talk about that. Um, net profit decreased slightly to 16 million US. You know, not, not a major at the moment, but here's the big one for me is and some of this is forward revenue, but operating cash flow is 26.3 million compared to negative 22, not negative 20, negative 2.8 million in the last period. So basically, all of the revenue growth for the company just got dropped to cash flow, which is impressive. So let's see if that, if that continues. I mean, it can't in its entirety, but it comes back to that operating leverage thing from before. Total processing volume increased to $5 billion, so halfway to their long-term $10 billion goal. I wonder if they're reassessing that $10 billion goal internally. It wouldn't surprise me. They didn't really say much exciting about community church building in their press release. Everyone's basically craving the numbers, craving the dollars, dollars and cents there. Um, they, but they did say they launched a, a joint product offering, which I'll talk about more later. Um, People and culture, I'm not going to get into that. Every public company thinks they have the best people, the best people, which might be true for some, but cannot be true for everyone, so I have no way of figuring that out, so I don't really pay too much attention. Um, they talk about board changes with HESIPs leaving. Um, go, go in and read it. It is important stuff. Um, 
but we've talked about that in length in the past, so I won't need to bring it up here. Here's an interesting line relating to COVID-19. Pushpay expects the increase in digital giving as a proportion of total giving resulting from COVID-19 to outweigh any fall in the total giving in the US faith sector. So basically, digital is growing fast even if the total giving is decreasing. Obviously, that trend can't continue forever. You know, you can't continually grow digital and decrease the overall giving in the faith sector. I, I would suspect that over the long term, total giving in the faith sector will increase. And this is just maybe a short term bump as we're heading into a recession. So it's probably not a major concern then, but obviously really good for Pushpay, who's obviously in the digital space. Not good if you're operating a church in the United States that relies totally on non-digital giving, mind you. Um, so it looks like they've changed their the way they're giving guidance before they're very specific about their revenue growth. Um, they're, they're just, they're, the guidance they're giving now is that they're expecting earnings before all the costs to be between 48 and 52 million US. Um, so let's look at the metrics, and that's EBITDAREF, by the way. So looking at all the metrics in the annual report, no real change in the average revenue per customer, so it's $1,317 US per month. Uh, total customers increased 42% to just under 11,000, which is up from 7,649. So you have to think that that is due to the community church builder acquisition. And that must be some of the investment case for them as well, that they're essentially acquiring a, a database. Um, they have a chart on page five which talks about the average revenue per customer and illustrates the dampening effect that the acquisition has had on the average revenue per customer. So what what that chart also shows is how much av average revenue per customer grew excluding that acquisition. So that's really important. So I guess the challenge for Pushpay is turning, is increasing that number now that they've got more customers. And you know, I imagine that was a big factor in the acquisition. Let's just say that. There's a lot of nice pictures of people on cell phones there. Um, no surprises there. Um, I have to say there's a pretty good annual report. I think you get a lot of information here. It's a lot better than a lot of annual reports. Um, I guess you'll read this and get a pretty a, a pretty good understanding from a, about the company. And that's what I want from an annual report. I want to be able to read it and really understand the company. I mean, Pushpay was a company I obviously understood going into this. But I think if you'd never heard of the company... That, that's how annual reports should be. If you've never heard of the company, you, you come out getting a pretty, you come out with the ability to value the company and you come out with the ability to understand the company. That's basically what I'm looking for. The balance sheet isn't as strong as what it was, uh, mainly due to the big increase in borrowings for the acquisition. There is a current liability of 23 million, which suggests that a large portion of this year's cash flow might go to debt repayment unless it gets refinanced. And they have 33 million in non-current debt. I'd recommend going to read note 15 of their financial statements to find out more about that. The diluted share card did not expand much, which in this environment is a massive plus. Uh, shares hit a 52-week low in March of $2.36 per share. Just imagine if you'd bought a ticket. <laughs> they reached an all-time high at $6.43 on Friday. So the market cap is closing in at $2 billion, which is, you know, getting pretty impressive. The stock is priced to some growth, but so far they have been able to deliver it. So if they don't grow, the stock's overvalued, but if they continue to grow the way they have, you know, for a long period of time, then... Who knows? Um, I think what will drive growth aside from the sector-wide trend to digital is how well they turn. You know, aside from the sector trend to to digital, what they can really, where you'll see the 
any operational excellence is how they turn the increase in customer numbers from church, community church builder and into increased revenue per customer. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. That's going to take a few years. So that is what I'll be looking forward to in, in reports going forward. And I'll be looking forward to progress updates on what they're doing there as well in a bit more detail because I think shareholders deserve that because it's quite a large acquisition. So, you know, really impressive stuff from Pushpay and it's obviously a, a stock to watch. <laughs> you know, hopefully we get the opportunity to buy it $2 a share again. Right, that's about all we have time for today. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. Hopefully more stuff happens with Level 2 next week, but who knows. As a reminder, that nothing that's said today should be considered financial advice. It's all based off my opinion. Um, search stockmarketmovers.co.nz or give us a like by searching on Facebook. Share it with your friends also. If you want to email me, it is jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Once again, my name is Jeremy Medlin and this has been episode 84 of the Stock Market Movers podcast for Saturday the 9th of May 2020. We'll see you all again next week.